Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. An Erios production. Menopause is coming and the men have all left town. But I'm not giving up until I see that baby crown. Could be bald and bearded, shorter, tall, funny, smart, love basketball, from gay, straight, black, white, tiny eyes with an underbite. I just need sperm. Hi, everybody, and thank you so much for joining me for this special bonus episode of Spermcast. We're going to talk to four different REs, reproductive endocrinologists, about coronavirus and what their clinics are doing in these days of crazy uncertainty and how they're advising their patients. Now, every single one of these doctors wanted to make clear to me that information is changing rapidly. For example, on Saturday, March 14th, the European Society of Human Reproduction and Embryology, which you'll hear referred to as ESHRI in this episode, they put out the recommendation that all fertility patients considering or planning treatment should avoid becoming pregnant at this time. They suggested that people in the middle of a cycle defer pregnancy with egg freezing, embryo freezing, or pushing their embryo transfers to later on. As of yesterday, Monday, March 16th, the ASRM, which is the American Society of Reproductive Medicine, their guidelines stated that all women testing positive for COVID-19 or at high risk for contracting it or displaying any of the symptoms should quote-unquote strive to avoid pregnancy but they had no statement for otherwise healthy patients. That was the understanding for the first three interviews you're about to hear, but then at 11 a.m. this morning, March 17th, the ASRM updated their guidelines, and now they're saying, one, suspend initiation of all new treatment cycles. That means IUIs, IVF, retrievals, frozen embryo transfers, all of it. No new cycles. Number two, strongly consider cancellation of all embryo transfers. This news sucks for so many of us, and I'm so sorry to any of you that are mid-cycle and just freaking out right now and don't know what to do. But after talking to these four REs, I do feel a little bit better, and I think they'll put your minds at ease too. So let's get started with our first interview. It's Dr. Kaylin, everybody, from LA Reproductive Center. If you're new to the show, Dr. Kaylin is my old doctor, and he is just a fabulous, wonderful doctor. Here we are talking last night, Monday, March 16th. Hi. Hi. Nice to see oh, you. You have a lot of banjos, huh? <laughs> I know. <laughs> you do. You have two banjos. Yeah, well, one of them's from the 1800s and it doesn't work. Oh, there's still two more banjos than most people have. <laughs> I'm in kind of a punchy mood right now. There's a lot going I on. I know. Yes, okay. You know? Yeah, and I don't want to take too much of your time. No, no, no problem. Okay, Doc. I want to know, first of all, what your clinic is. What are, what are you guys doing? Here's what we kind of currently seem to know is that it seems like uh, the coronavirus is not like Zika in that there's not like a specific abnormality that it's causing. That's good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, also, the coronavirus, unlike the flu, does not seem to be especially virulent in pregnant women. 
Um, so the flu, when you're pregnant, you get the flu, it's like worse than when you're not pregnant. And so getting the flu when you're pregnant is like, is, is a, a big deal. It doesn't seem like pregnant women who get coronavirus are like way sicker than everybody else. That's sort of a plus. Also, there have been, there have been reports of women who are positive for COVID-19 delivering babies who are negative. And so that's good. We're not talking about a lot of numbers here. So a lot is not known. Right. Another quick question about numbers that you're seeing now. These would be people that are already five months, six months pregnant by the time. I mean, if if it started in December or whatever, not people that maybe the baby's fully formed and healthy already. Is this a possibility that like maybe earlier pregnancies might be uh, affected, but we just don't know and won't know for a while? we, We don't know. Yeah, we don't know. Based on the type of virus this is, there's not like a, it's not like related to Zika, for example, or something like that. Like it's, you know, the, this type of virus is not one that specifically that this family is known to cause. We, we use the word teratogenic, like where it causes a, a, a malformation or something like that with the pregnancy. Yeah. But yes, you're right. We don't know. This has only been around long enough for people to have not been in the first trimester. And the other thing is we're not that we're not seeing re- reports of is like, you know, massive miscarriages from women who are getting, you know, like, you know, first trimester or something like that. Okay. So that's, I mean, encouraging, but, but really it's, it's just super, super, super limited. Okay. So that's kind of what we know. What we also know is, and this is put out by Eshray, is that given the option of getting pregnant right now or not getting pregnant right now, these societies are, are erring on the side of not. But again, that's kind of moving around and, you know, that's just, based out of being very, very, very cautious. Mm-hmm. Um, so what that means is translating here is I'm counseling my patients about those who are doing transfers about, about whether we should do it or not. Mm-hmm. You know, at this point, it's there's a lot of stuff that's going into this. I just talked to a patient this morning where we decided not to start an embryo transfer cycle. I have a couple transfers scheduled for this week that, that I am scheduled to speak to those patients today and make some choice on what we're going to do. Yeah. You know, it's going to be kind of an informed choice. Mm-hmm. Um, they're kind of into this a little bit. And it's possible that maybe it's better now than later because maybe maybe later we can't do it. Maybe later something else happens and it's, you know, there's there's a lot there's reasons to say go for it now because who knows what will happen and who knows when we can do this. Right. Um, and so, you know, I believe in people's autonomy to make decisions and make, you know, make intelligent choices based on the information they have available. Um, But it definitely has to be a conversation kind of considering potential risks of unknown. That's a really Um, good point. Yeah. Now, what if somebody's um, in the first half of their cycle and they're doing, they're going for an egg retrieval soon. There's no reason to believe there would be anything wrong with eggs that might be retrieved during, if if somebody was a care, had uh, COVID-19, right? Right. Uh, no, we, 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 there's no reason to believe that. I mean, we don't have any we don't have solid evidence one way or the other, but it doesn't seem like something that would be especially um, problematic at the time of a retrieval. More of the concerns that we have are actually more like logistical, like um, say somebody gets infected with COVID-19. The truth is we don't want them coming to our lab. Um, right. You know, we that, that person is is infectious and going to spread it. And so, you know, while that's not necessarily a specific problem to their eggs, um, it could be a problem for everyone else and anyone else coming after them. Right. So that's a concern. Um, conversely, what if I get it? Right. Um, what if my nurses get it? You know, like the logistical, you know, 
egg retrieval is a, is a logistically intense endeavor, right. and this is going to stress those those logistical concerns. So, in some ways, it's more of, of that kind of a concern more than anything else. So, are you advising your patients that might be starting an, a retrieval cycle to pause, or, um, you, or you're so, just you know um, in conversation? So with there's them? there's right. It's a conversation, and there's there's and there's even more things to consider here because time is, as we all know, is never our friend in right. the, in the world of fertility. Um, and so, you know, when someone's 22 and she wants to, you know, create embryos for gender selection, um, you know, the, the urgency associated with that is different than someone who's, uh, 42 and is, is trying to have a child. Also, there's considerations we have, we have um, patients say with cancer, those patients are going to go through cancer treatment. This is their shot. So, we're not stopping for them. Yeah. But again, we could get in a situation where people get into stimulations and then have to stop. What if the pharmacy stops sending out meds? Right. What if, uh, you know, it goes on lockdown? May, may, what if the anesthesiologists are not available to come to us because they have to go to the hospital? Right. There's a lot of logistical concerns. So um, it's very much case by case. I think it, it, it's definitely slowing down. I think a lot of people are choosing not to do this now, um, I think, which is, which is fine. And it may screech to a halt before it starts up again. But we're going to have to see on yeah. a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Any any advice for women that are newly pregnant? Uh, should they come in for their six-week ultrasound or should they right, stay home? Right, right. That's a great question. So um, I'm thinking they should come in for the six-week. We normally do six-week, seven-week, nine-week, 11-week, something like that. Come in for the six-week to make sure the pregnancy is in the right place. Mm-hmm. Once we're sure about that, then I'd say just come back in I usually do it like the nine and a half week. So I know that everything is okay. We can stop progesterone. Okay. And then that's it. So we kind of cut it down a lot. Okay. All right. So after that, I let him go because he needed to go take care of his patients. But that was very informative. Thank you, Dr. Kalen. And listeners, if you want to follow Dr. Kalen online, it looks like he just got an Instagram, Kalen Fertility, K-A-L-A-N. <laughs> I don't know if it's new, but there's only six pictures on there. Go follow him, everybody. Okay, so now we're going to talk to Dr. Karen Wheeler. She's at Reproductive Medicine Associates of Michigan, and we recorded this right after Dr. Kalen's interview. Monday night, March 16th. Hi! Hi, hello! A baby! A cute baby! (laughs) Oh my goodness! Hello, sweetheart! As you can hear, there was a baby there, and I lost my mind for a few minutes, but then we got to work. Tell me what's happening at your clinic. Are you changing your advice for people? SRM was pretty like, you know, oh, you can still keep moving forward, but don't get people pregnant if they're at high risk okay, or getting, you know, like seriously ill if they get um, the coronavirus. Eshri basically said nobody should be getting pregnant right now. Okay. And I had kind of heard from the grapevine that ASRM will be coming out with a similar statement. Okay. In the next in the next week or so. So what do you think that'll mean for your patients who are mid cycle? Well, hopefully for patients who are mid cycle we'll be able to finish their cycle. Uh-huh. But um, I think we'll probably be pretty soon like stopping cycle starts. Stopping cycle happened. starts, is that what you said? Yeah. I know there are some practices that have stopped starting new cycles, uh-huh. especially hospital based practices like where they rely on hospital anesthesia services. So they're just, you know, not sure in two weeks when someone's going to have a retrieval, are they going to 
you know, have enough anesthesia staff to do this, you know, these elect, not elective procedures, but non-emergency, you know, procedures because hospitals are canceling all like non-emergent surgeries and everything too. Okay. If someone's in the middle of a cycle right now, they've done their retrieval, but they're thinking about transferring, do you, mm-hmm. I mean, they, they were planning on transferring. Would you say right. to pause at this point or do you, or it's got to be a case by case thing? Um, I think right now it's still a case by case thing, but I think, you know, people have been asking me about this, you know, all, all day Yeah, and I'm sort of like, what I say now may be different than what I'm saying tomorrow because exactly. it's just changing so quickly. You know, just last week we in Michigan had our first two cases and now there's over 50 and they've shut down schools for three weeks and they just shut down all of bars and restaurants in the state. Oh, in Michigan too? um, Yeah. So right now I'm sort of like, yeah, I guess we're still moving forward with people doing transfers. But um, we're also saying, you know, if you would feel more comfortable waiting until next month, absolutely. And I feel like probably in just the next couple of days, the advice will likely change and we'll be saying, yes, freeze everything and wait to be pregnant until, you know, this virus is, has calmed down. Yeah. And what would you say for people that are in a rush? They're 42, 43, right. 44. Would right. you, what about doing a bunch of egg retrievals during this time? I mean, let's say it's six months and it's not Mm -hmm. two weeks. So different practices are trying to come up with different ways to keep things going and still be able to offer services to patients without, we're trying to minimize the risk. So like spacing out, spacing out monitoring appointments. So like we do all our monitoring between 6.30 and 8. And so we'll have 20 to 50 patients coming in the door in that hour and a half, all sort of sitting in the waiting room. Mm. And the waiting room is only so big. You can only spread people out so far. So maybe spreading out monitoring times or, you know, wait in a separate place or wait in their car until they're ready right. for their appointments so they don't have to sit next to other people. Um, but yeah, it's it's tough. And I know some practices are going to video conferences for new patient appointments and for like follow-up visits and stuff where it doesn't require, you know, a hands-on thing yeah. doing online conferences. We have an IVF class that um, people who are doing their first cycle of IVF you know, attend to try to learn about the process and learn how to give themselves injections. And I was kind of suggesting, why don't we try and transition that to an online? So I think yeah, for right now, retrieval that most places where there are freestanding practices that have their own anesthesia groups, that's still kind of moving forward. But I guess we'll just see how, you know, how bad it gets, whether all that's you know, going to have to be on hold for a couple yeah. months. Can you hang on? Somebody's knocking on my door, which is scary. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hi. That's okay. Um, did you guys have like a Honda out for sale on Craigslist? I'm not sure. No. No, I'm sorry. You guys' address is posted. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, I'm so sorry to bother No, you. that's okay. I'm just, you know, staying away from people because of the virus. <laughs> sorry I didn't open the door. Best thing. No, yeah. No. Sorry. Right, sorry. Bye. <laughs> that was interesting (laughs) a young teenage girl i'm like who's knocking on my door how fucking dare you (laughs) you're not social distancing (laughs) don't touch my door knocker right (laughs) alcohol that door knocker before you go (laughs) 
<laughs> um, where were we? And I know you were bummed about um, maybe having to take some months off from methotrexate. I know. Now, like, you have to take some months off from the virus and you can't even travel anywhere. That's I cheating. know, that's right. <laughs> There's part of me that wants to hop in my car and drive to my parents' house because they're elderly, but... I know I can't right. see them, so I'd I'd get there and then I'd have to quarantine myself in the garage for two weeks until I could see them. But at least if they got sick, I'd be able to go in and take care of them. Right. So I actually am like very much considering doing like a, a no touching drive across the country where I only right. you know wear gloves and only touch gas nozzles. Planning for your next trip. Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. But, yeah. but you, I mean, you're around people all the time. So I, I mean, we were still like seeing patients today and I had um, like alcohol wipes. I was wiping down my desk and chairs in between patients. Even just on Friday, we were like, oh my gosh, it's so crazy. People are buying all the toilet paper. Ha ha ha. And now it's like, oh my God, I need toilet paper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I need toilet paper. And well, thank you so much, Dr. Wheeler. I really appreciate you talking to us and telling us a little bit more about what you guys are doing. Dr. Karen Wheeler also has an Instagram. It's Dr. Dr. Karen, K-A-R-E-N, dot Wheeler, W-H-E-E-L-E-R. Now, like I said a few minutes ago, that interview was from Monday night, March 16th. Now, this morning, March 17th, Tuesday, March 17th, I spoke with Dr. Chung. You know Dr. Chung. She's at California Fertility Partners, and she's my current doctor. Now, this was right before ASRM came out with their new guidelines. Oh, but before we get to that interview, I'm just going to tell you everybody's Instagram handles. Dr. Chung has one too. It's Dr. Kareen Chung. D-R-K-A-R-I-N-E-C-H-U-N-G. Okay, now on to the interview. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm okay. Yeah. It's crazy. It's yeah. very crazy. Have you talked to any of the other REs yet? About yeah, I talked to Dr. Kalen and, and I talked to a, a gal in uh, Detroit. Oh, okay. Yeah. So maybe we're all saying the same thing. Probably, but I, it'll make me sound <laughs> like I've got more street cred if I've got a bunch of doctors. Okay, <laughs> Sounds good. okay yeah. so what are you guys doing over there? As of right now, really, we're eagerly awaiting the revision of the um, position from the American Society for Reproductive Medicine. As of Friday, basically, they came out with a statement saying that anybody who may have COVID-19 basically is exhibiting potential symptoms or is at high risk for the virus should not get pregnant. And so that makes perfect sense. I think that's, you know, common sense in a way. And so basically patients who are in the middle of cycles, we've been telling them that actually for weeks that if they become sick in the middle of their cycle, they should not become pregnant. We don't know what the impact of this virus is on pregnancy or on the baby. So that was the situation as of Friday. Over the weekend, the European Society for Reproductive Medicine came out with a statement saying that basically, again, because the risks 
of this virus during pregnancy are really unknown at this point. There are a few small kind of reports of women who were pregnant who were positive for the COVID-19 virus who gave birth to healthy babies who were not affected, but we just don't have enough data to know for sure if it's safe to become pregnant right now or not. So the European Society came out with a statement saying that all embryo transfers and IUIs really should consider stopping treatment right now. Basically, patients should not be seeking to get pregnant right now. Yeah. And so, you know, we've had a bunch of meetings over the last couple of days trying to figure out what we should do for our patients who want to be continuing with IUIs and embryo transfers. And I think all of us are advising against it right now until we know more mm-hmm. about, you know, what the impact of this virus will be on pregnancy. Mm-hmm. For our patients who are in the middle of cycles to freeze embryos or eggs, we are allowing them to continue. For patients who are coming in to start new cycles to freeze embryos or eggs, we're having discussions with them that we don't really know what is going to happen in the next several weeks. I mean, this is an unprecedented situation. We're all trying to do the responsible thing. But, you know, at the same time, many of these patients who are freezing eggs and embryos feel this pressure of time where they don't do it now. When is the next time that they're going to be able to do it? And we really can't answer those questions with any kind of certainty. Right. So if people are insistent upon it, will you do it? Not that I'm I'm not thinking about that. (laughs) I'm just curious. Are you guys completely (laughs) saying... Upon doing IUIs and transfers, you yeah. Mean? So today I'm doing one of each, you uh-huh. know, an IUI and a transfer, both of which I've already, you know, talked to them about the risks and they want to proceed. I think going forward, we're trying to discourage it as much as possible. But you know, it's it's tough because a lot of them have worked several months or, or years even to get to this point where they're ready to do their transfer, and yeah. it just seems like a little premature to say we shouldn't be doing transfers. Right. Um, You know, and it also seems a little unfair because patients who are or people who are at home who, you know, are trying to get pregnant on their own are not being told that they should not get pregnant at home. Right, right, right. I feel torn about it. And I do think that, you know, based on the small case series that I think came out of London, where they looked at, I think, 19 women who were pregnant who had the virus, it, it seems like there's pretty, the numbers are very small, but there is some reassuring data out there that the the babies turn out to be healthy and that the moms do not seem to have a real severe form of the virus like we've seen with other viruses like, you know, SARS and MERS in the past or the flu, which can affect pregnant women much more dramatically than it can affect non-pregnant women. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if this coronavirus is different than those viruses, but based on the limited data that we have, it sounds like it may not be that much worse for pregnant women than it is for the general population. But then also, we don't know anything about people in their first trimester. Yeah, and that's the concern. So if people are going to develop high fevers during the first trimester of pregnancy, that has been associated with potential risk of miscarriage, potential risk for birth defects. So it shouldn't be taken lightly. And, you know, of course, anybody who's pregnant right now should be taking abundant measures to to stay healthy, you know, yeah. washing hands, staying away from other people. That's, those are the only kind of mechanisms we have, I think, right now to yeah. try to stay healthy. But, you know, that's that's the other part of the concern. It's first trimester pregnancy. We really don't have any data. Any indication from the ASRM about when they might come out with a statement? I mean, I've heard rumors. I heard rumors that it was going to be yesterday and then I heard it was going to be today. And it just, it hasn't, we haven't seen anything mm-hmm. new come out since last Friday. Yeah. Um, you know, there are rumors that there's going to be a recommendation that all people stop treatment, including people who are freezing eggs and 
diagnosed, but I just don't know if that's actually their position. Yeah, I was going to ask about about people, older women who might say, well, at least I can keep freezing eggs and do cycles freezing eggs. Do you Mm -hmm. think, I mean... Yeah, I mean, I think that's certainly something that um, people will think about because we don't know how long this is going to go on. I mean, there's a chance that... It will, you know, even if it gets better in the summertime, it could kind of make a resurgence in the fall. Right. And, you know, I don't think it's reasonable to tell a woman who is of advanced reproductive age to wait to get pregnant for another six months to a year. Yeah. You know, so I think that freezing embryos, as long as we're allowed to continue with that type of treatment, might not be a bad strategy. Some of the other doctors mentioned that the egg retrieval process, you know, you have to wonder whether the anesthesiologist will be available that day, etc. Do you have any experience doing a a retrieval without uh, anesthesia? I know a girl that's done that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it can certainly be done um, with a combination of medications that are not, you know, will not fully anesthetize it patient, things like uh, Versed and and then IV pain medications, I think it's not the ideal way to do it, especially if someone has a lot of follicles. But, you know, for right now, in terms of staffing, knock on wood, we haven't um, experienced any limitation in staffing. We are going to, as of today, kind of split our teams into two so that not everybody comes in every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and that way limiting exposure, limiting people in the office. We're just trying to take measures to reduce risk to our staff as well. And are you seeing a lot uh, fewer fewer people in the office these days or, you know, in the lobby? Um, I think, yes, we're seeing patients who, um, you know, we're, we're about to start a frozen embryo transfer cycle or we're about to start IUI cycles who, you know, we talk to on the phone and ask them to, to wait until next month or yeah. at least until we have a clearer idea of which, which way we're headed with this. So we are seeing slight decrease in volume and we're also trying to stagger our patients so that we're not having a lot of people in the waiting room all at once. And that way we're able to kind of maintain six feet different distance between patients. Yeah. And my last question is just about me. <laughs> I'm supposed to go yeah. to LabCorp tomorrow for another beta. I, I oh. don't want to go. And I took a pregnancy test this morning and it's totally blank. What do you think? What was your last Last level? one was 58. And it was um, a week ago? Yeah. And I have a heavy period right now. My bleeding had stopped for about five days, but now it's back at you. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's a pretty good sign that everything is cleared. So especially given what's going on, I'd rather you stay home and be safe than go out to get blood tests. I'm happy about (laughs) that. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, and I, I'm, I'm going to let you go. I don't think I have any other okay. questions. All right. Well, it's good to see your face. It's good to see your face and stay healthy. <laughs> hang in there. You too. Thank you for everything. Okay. Thanks for doing this call. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye. And then right after we hung up, Dr. Karen Wheeler, who we just spoke to before Dr. Chung, sent me the latest guidelines from the AMSR, ASMR, ASRM. There we go. Yes, ASRM. And the new guidelines are, well, I read them to you earlier. Suspend initiation of new treatment cycles. Strongly consider cancellation of all embryo transfers. Continue to care for patients. Suspend elective surgeries. Minimize in-person interactions. Okay, so then 10 minutes later, I spoke with Dr. Amy. She's up in Northern California. I think right outside San Francisco or in San Francisco. I don't know. I'm from Southern California. Anyway, her Instagram is eggwhisperer at Egg Whisperer, and you'll find out why in a second. Thank you so much for talking to me. You're welcome. 
course. Can you sure. tell me or and my listeners real quick? You're an RE, but you you also have this show on YouTube called The Egg Whisperer. I do. It's called an Egg Whisperer show, and I started the show just to disseminate information that, to people, no matter where you live, all over the world, so that people had the same access to the educational tools that I provide my patients without having to come see me. That broke up a little bit. So in case you couldn't make it out, her show is called Egg Whisperer Show, and you can find that on YouTube. And you can contact her via her website, dramy.org, D-R-A-I-M-E-E.org. Okay, now, what's happening at your clinic and what are you guys advising and doing? So I just tell people we're taking it one day at a time and it's not even one day at a time. It's almost like one minute at a time. Yeah, yeah. So as far as um, what I'm telling my patients is right now, no new cycle starts. So I'm just finishing the IVF cycles that are in cycle right now. Uh As far as uh, other types of treatments, I'm canceling all intrauterine inseminations. Uh For patients who've already started their progesterone, who are ready to do their transfers, those are not being canceled. Mm -hmm. But as of March 27th, I'm taking a break from all transfers as well. All diagnostic tests, for example, semen analysis, those are all being rescheduled. I hate the word canceling. I hate that word. I know, I know. So I I use the word rescheduling. I'm telling everyone when you have your period, think of me and just (laughs) send me an email and I'll tell you what's going on with us and then I'll give you another plan. So I'm telling all my patients to reach out to me on April 1st. Okay, so April 1st, people, your your patients are reaching out to you to figure out their plan, their to next To get steps. an update. Yeah, to, to see update. what's going on. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I'm just telling them, use the next couple of months to prepare for pregnancy, to do really healthy things, yeah. like eating right, exercising, doing all the things that will promote good embryo yeah. quality. Okay, so you're canceling anything... Sorry, not canceling. Rescheduling. <laughs> if somebody's just done an egg retrieval and they were going to do a transfer, are those canceled too or those not canceled? Are those rescheduled too? So what will happen is if you're already on medications and your cycle transfer is planned, let's say March 31st, we have to have you stop your medications. Okay. And then when your next period starts, you're going to reach out to me and I'll tell you if we can transfer. Okay, that. gotcha, gotcha. I understand. And I just uh, saw that the ASRM put out a statement just now about. Um, right. My Sorry, my phone. No, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, ah, it's stop. quite. <laughs> sorry, I th- there. It's quite, it's quite a long statement. I mean, it's basically saying cancel everything, do nothing. Yeah. And shelter in place. <laughs> no, okay. not so severe, but it's pretty severe. <laughs> what about people that are um, 41, 42, 43, whatever? What if they want to keep doing egg retrievals? Not okay? Yeah. I mean, I would say just taking one month off. I'm telling people there's no emergency. You're taking one month. You're not going to be like standing and like tipping over a cliff. Yeah. Just wait a month. Nothing bad's going to happen. Just keep taking your CoQ10 and do your fertility yoga and listen to some meditations and we'll totally get through this. So I expect that I'll be able to cycle again in May. Yeah. Okay. That's nice. Do you have anything to say uh, to people who have recently gotten pregnant? Any thoughts for them? Mm-hmm. Go ahead. No, I'm very conservative about that. You know, there's this thought that, oh, pregnant women, they can get it, but it won't pass to the baby. I'm like, that is bull crap. And the reason why it's bull crap is because we know that fevers in pregnancy are bad. Yeah. There's no, it doesn't matter where the fever came from, what the name of the virus is. It is not healthy for a pregnant woman to have a fever, Mm. period. 
Is that stop. at any time in th- their pregnancy or just especially the first trimester? No, I mean any time, but especially the first trimester. Mm-hmm. And so I'm telling patients, if you are required to work and your employer cannot create a safe social distancing situation for you where you're six feet away from every person, then you should work from home. And if you can't work from home, then you don't you shouldn't be working on this. That's like my feeling. I know yeah. that's a little bit extreme, but I have patients who are nurses, doctors, and I'm telling them if you aren't protected and can't work a desk job away from patients, then you shouldn't be working right now until we know more. And it's changing day by day. Okay, good. And what about um, coming in for scans, early pregnancy scans? So I'm seeing my pregnant patients because they need to be seen. We need to not having a miscarriage or an ectopic pregnancy. Mm -hmm. It would be awful if we missed something like that. So I'm seeing them early in the morning. Anybody else is in the office. Their contacts with other people is are, are minimal, and right gotcha. now our our parking lot is pretty empty out here. Okay. So looking outside, I'm not worried that patients are going to. You know, we have uh, automatic doors; they're not touching knobs. They're coming in with my pregnant women happen to be coming in with masks. So I'm seeing about one pregnant person today per day at around 7:45 each morning, and that's before my patients are coming in. I got you. That's cool. And if it's a repeat, let's say I've already done a viability scan, because I tend to see my patients through 10 weeks of pregnancy, I am rescheduling those viability scans for later. So I'm actually saying, you know, I've seen you twice already, you're already 10 weeks pregnant, you don't need to come in for your third check with me, please see your OB from here, I want to minimize your exposure to anything. Yeah, and so that's six weeks, and then what's the next one you're checking them at? I see patients six, eight, and 10, Okay. but if I've already seen them at six and they're fine, I am asking them right now not to come back at eight or 10 and just reach out to me if they're having any issues. What about people that are just trying to get pregnant at home? Would you say they should follow the ASRM guidelines? I mean, the ASRM guidelines, from what I'm seeing here, I don't necessarily see a recommendation for trying naturally. Was there a recommendation for trying naturally? Like I, I didn't actually read pregnant? the article yet. Yeah, I don't see that there's anything about women trying naturally in here. But, um, but wouldn't you think that if the ASRM is saying that, you know, fertility clinics and tr- to people trying uh, using assisted reproductive treatments? I think it's about risk mitigation and social distancing and not going into a clinic. And because when you go through, oh. IVF, you're going in and out five times. So I think it's also the use of resources, especially in a hospital based program. When you're doing an egg retrieval, you're using up a ventilator that could be used for someone who's really sick. So I don't think necessarily it has to do with it has to do with social distancing, crowd avoidance, and techniques crucial to flatten the curve of dissemination. But, you know, as far as pregnancy itself, I'm not going so far and telling my patients, I think you should definitely avoid getting pregnant. Yeah. I'm just saying, think about what your work situation is like right now. Uh-huh. And if you can stay home from work, if you happen to be pregnant. That's interesting. Now, in my head, I'm like, oh, well, maybe I could keep Maybe I could order ICI vials from the sperm bank. Oh, I've already done that with my patients. Yeah, you can do home insemination. Still, FedEx is still delivering. (laughs) Interesting. Now, I wonder at the sperm banks if they're they're probably not going to have many many dudes coming in to drop off their samples for a little while. I imagine that's probably they're going to be rescheduled as well. Oh, I have one more question, and feel free to yeah. not answer if it's too much about the clinic and stuff. But I'm wondering if people are mid cycle and and they're stopping. What y'all are? What would you be doing about money? I'm finishing all my cycles. Being an IVF patient and in cycle, that is now a non elective procedure. Uh huh. It is medically dangerous not to complete an IVF cycle once it has started. So I have 17 patients in cycle, so they're all going to finish by March 27th. 
And so that's kind of the date that we're planning to stop all procedures. That's interesting. I didn't realize it would be medically dangerous. And that's because your your ovaries, your follicles are swollen and you need to get the fluid out? Absolutely. If you fractured your arm right now and you broke your or you broke your leg, not that I wish that upon anyone, you'd have to have surgery. Mm-hmm. You know, they wouldn't be like, well, you're going to just have to suffer for now. That wouldn't happen. You right. would do surgery. So this is just like that you know yeah. imagine that your ovaries would you might have an explosion so to speak <laughs> you would need to have that fluid drained oh, wow. so we don't want that to happen to I've anybody. never heard anyone use that term is that is yes. that a Dr. Amy special I, I have a lot of Dr. Amy isms yes that's one of them egg explosion is one of them <laughs> thank you You're so much welcome, for talking to me about this stuff Okay, now I think I'm starting to get it, and it only took me four interviews. So correct me if I'm wrong, and feel free to email me or DM me if I am, but if you're going through fertility treatments, you're in and out of clinics for monitoring and blood tests and procedures every other day, putting yourself and everyone else around you at risk. So it seems that these guidelines are more about wanting to stop the dissemination of the disease and mitigating the risk of the patient or the doctor contracting the disease. Additionally, the procedures that require anesthesia may be risky because if things get out of control and hospitals are overwhelmed with patients in critical need, anesthesiologists and respirators may not be available to you. And if all of that's true, then, and this is comforting to me and I think would be comforting to anybody that's pregnant right now, this seems like it's less about the fear that contracting the disease will have a very negative effect on the pregnancy and more about these other logistical things. Am I wrong? Did I misunderstand everything everyone was just saying? All I know is that I do feel a little comforted after talking to these doctors, and I hope you do too. At least we're all a little bit more informed, even if we don't like what we're hearing. I do actually feel pretty lucky that I wasn't able to start a new cycle this month because I don't have to deal with the letdown of not being able to continue. I feel absolutely terrible for any of you that are mid-cycle or are having to decide whether or not to move forward. I can't imagine how I would feel right now if I had my heart set on doing a transfer in a couple weeks. But here's what I know. If you are one of those people that are mid-cycle and have to put your transfer off, or if you were just about to start IVF or have your first IUI, this won't last forever, and I know that you'll get through this. And I know you'll get through this because I know that you're strong. And I know that this sounds super corny, but the reason I know you're strong is because you've already come this far. Just the fact that you are willing to go through any of this in order to build a family is proof that you can get through this excruciating, bullshit, unfair wait. So try not to feel too disheartened right now. Try to acknowledge all of the strength that you already have proven that you've got and try and take pride in all of that. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of me. We're fucking great people. Okay, let's get out of here. You want to reach me, email me at spermcast at gmail.com. You want to call me on the telephone, leave me a voicemail, text me 323-741-1818. Find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at spermcast. Find all of those doctors I just interviewed on Instagram at the Instagram handles I told you earlier. If you don't remember what they were, they'll be in the show notes. If you're new to the show, please subscribe. I'd love to have you. This show is lots of fun. It's not usually about coronavirus. For everyone else, you know the drill. I have a Patreon, patreon.com forward slash spermcast. You can sign up for the Patreon for $2 or more a month, and you'll have access to all kinds of exclusive content, audio, video, updates in real time. If you hate Patreon, but you still want to support the podcast, you can always Venmo me at molly-hockey. 
And lastly, if you need some extra support right now, I've been doing some fertility consulting and I would love to be here for you. Email me at spermcast at gmail.com. Put session in the subject line just so it doesn't get lost in the shuffle. And then I'll email you my rates and we can find a time to talk over Skype, FaceTime, or telephone. That's it. I hope this was helpful. Love you so much. Talk to you next week. He could be bald and bearded, shorter or tall. Funny, smart, love basketball. Gay, straight, black, white. Tiny ass with an underbite. I just need sperm. Sperm cast. An Erios production. Powered by Acast. 